Okay. Recording in progress. That means everything we have done has resulted in a functional uh, <laughs> opportunity to talk with one another via Zoom and so that we can share our conversation with the entire world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Sean Sheehan. Sean Sheehan played an integral role in creating the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. And at the time he was a director for the, uh, what was the job you had? National Association? I ran the Public Affairs Department of the National Association of Broadcasters, which is yeah. the trade association for the broadcast radio and television industry. And all yeah. of those. A, a huge job in Washington, all kinds of fighting and competition over. So they need a guy like Sean, who's a very no, well known for the gift of gab, a good Irish kid from Washington, D.C., actually, who went to Gonzaga High School. Is that the high school you went to? Yeah, I sure did. Uh, yeah. I'm the Heisman Trophy winner this year. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic and certainly well-deserved. Now, you got yourself out of high school, and you were so smart. You actually went to college. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I went to St. Bonaventure University in upstate New York, graduated in 1966. Uh-huh. And after you graduated from 1966, did you decide to, you know, win the Vietnam War yourself? Yeah, well, the 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 draft was breathing down everybody's necks, and you either went to graduate school or if you weren't married, you were going to get drafted. So I volunteered for the Marine Corps. I went to Marine Corps OCS. I was commissioned in the fall of 66, and I would go to Vietnam in February of 1968, uh, running a Ford Observer team with the 7th Marines. That was pretty hazardous duty because uh, at that point of the Vietnam War, the North Vietnamese forces were were fighting in, in large, I guess, battalion size uh, formations in which you were the Marines were up against people who were well-armed, well-equipped, yeah. and uh, very much determined to kill as many Marines as they could. And what kind of casualties did you see during your during your 12 months? Yeah, my, you know? Well, I was with the Marine Rifle Unit at that point in time. And from uh, February of 68 through the summer of 68, those were the highest casualties sustained by U.S. forces during the entire Vietnam experience. And unfortunately, uh, be it as it may, but Marine rifle units are always pretty much the point of the spear. So uh, uh, not my choosing, but I ended up in some of the more difficult operations that was were conducted throughout the Vietnam uh, experience. In fact, my unit recently published their 10 most uh, worst operations, if you will, of when they yeah. were in the country and I was on five of the 10. So yes. Uh, Getting shot at counts put me put me in there. Yeah. So you were the guy with the radio. Could you actually call in ships? Uh, uh, we did call in ships on occasion. Yeah, uh, that's right. The New Jersey was off uh, off the South China Sea. Problem was, Jan, when you were calling in something like that, you needed a, a much a broader clearance, three three clicks or three thousand mm. meters. Really engaged at much closer ranges than that, so it was it was more show than effect. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine the probability of accidents occurring <laughs> with with those kind of explosives flying exactly. through the air. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Well, you came back from Vietnam, and uh, did you? Uh, 
How did you find your first job? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, my dad was a retired government lawyer. And, you know, those were tough times. I came back in March of 69. Yeah. Uh, I ran a recruit uh, training unit at Camp Lejeune until I got out in the fall of 69. And I had a year's, you know, the, the, the beauty of being in the field is I had a year's pay in my, in my back pocket. And I was a single guy. Yeah. So I waited till the spring of the next year, the next year. And I went to Europe and hitchhiked around for a year. And then I got back to Washington and the only real business we have in Washington government. And, uh, when you and I, our, our paths crossed, uh, I was running, I was at the national association of broadcasters. I had been a Dan Daniel gentleman prior to that. You may remember John Meek. He was my boss. Yes. I remember John Meek. And uh, you were quite a character in your own way from time to time. And uh, somehow or another, we made contact with you through a guy named Bill Jane, who had been a, a Marine in Quezon. He saw a lot of right. combat and uh, you had a lot of prestige, uh, your ability to reach out to, you know, the nation's media. Yeah, Jan, what happened was I came to a meeting with you guys from a cold call from Bill Jane, and I was very skeptical of building the wall. I thought uh, attempting to get uh, benefits would prove more valuable. And then I, I listened to you guys lay out the plan. And given that I had access to all the radio and TV stations, I knew I could really help on the uh, on getting the word out. It's just that simple. And uh, so I, I got committed in that, as you know, uh, you were giving it 100% of your effort, and I was giving it an, an extraordinary amount of effort over the years. And it's rewarded me greatly ever since. Yeah. Well, we had some uh, very powerful adversaries. <clears throat> and would you be able to have a few minutes to tell people <laughs> the, the battle we were in and, and what shaped it and who was uh, well, part of this whole thing? You know, kind of the crazy part about it is just trying to get this thing built was a big enough task in and of itself. And then, uh, as you and I distinctly recall, uh, the wonderful design competition, the largest one in the history of the Western world, <laughs> selected Maya Lin's uh, dramatically, dramatically different design of the wall as it exists today. Now, I got it right away. Mm. An awful lot of the guys that were our friends and colleagues saw it as an anti-war statement, and they did everything in their power to shut us down completely. And I had a marketing background and I knew we had momentum. And if we ever lost that momentum, we'd never get this thing done. Uh, right. And they knew that too. So if they were able to stop this politically, uh, we would go out of business and they could take over this whole thing. Well, you and I, well, why don't we get to the wonderful closed door meeting that the great unsung hero, I think, was the late Senator John Warner, one time Secretary of the Navy, and he got you and and uh, I got I got the call from Don Shade said we need you up here desperately this afternoon can you break free well we have a seven hour closed door knockdown drag out with HRS Pro and they had 10 people to every one we had and uh, we held our ground and at the end of that thing I think it was about 10 30 11 o'clock at night wasn't it yes uh, we were outnumbered and and the guy who broke the whole uh, impasse there's a guy named General Michael S. Davison, who was a f former commandant at West Point. Yeah. And he said, listen, this is an untraditional memorial. 
why don't we just add a traditional element like the American fighting man statue they have at Fort Benning. Yeah. That's when Ross Perot said, yes. He said, we can do this. Yeah. And uh, the sculptor Felix de Welding says, if you can keep him sober, he'll do this for you. And it's going to be great. And he was so excited over the statue. He signed off on it. Yeah. Then everybody we thought uh, agreed that, that we could go forward, but they tried to stop us from groundbreaking and we uh, outmaneuvered them because we had friends in the White House. They had friends, big friends in the White House, too. But we had a guy named uh, Bob Kemet, who later became yeah. ambassador to Germany. Right. Uh, another fellow who was a West Point graduate. And, and But we got like the management team for this whole thing came from the Harvard Business School. They took, like, they took three or four of the really smart cadets and they send them, they still do, the, they send them to the Harvard Business School. And yeah. so we got those guys and they looked upon it. This is kind of like a Harvard business uh, problem uh, uh, as an assignment. And uh, it was pretty you know, easy. I, I don't think I've ever told you this, but you asked me to testify before the Fine Arts Commission. And uh, so on a Sunday morning, I had two little boys and I parked right in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Being a good Marine Ford observer, I figured I better go walk the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew the design. One would point towards the Lincoln Memorial. So I walked up the steps and I read the Gettysburg Address. Mm -hmm. And I went, bingo, I've got my statement. Because in the, in the, in the address, uh, Lincoln says, words don't suffice. Mm -hmm. Bingo, bingo, that's it. You can't quite express what we're trying to do here. The point is this solemn ground has to be dedicated and we have to go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What flowery language he he uh, he had. I go to the Gettysburg battlefield with some frequency a couple times a year and usually stay over for a night or two, but uh, just yeah. love it. History really comes alive. So history comes alive for the Vietnam Veterans Memorial as well. It has now been there for over 40 years. It is estimated that about 5 million people annually come to visit the wall. And uh, most of them are just tourists. I mean, tourists from all over the world. I was just there last week and I was talking to a guy. He was in the army, the uh, Finland. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't in the best mood either. You know, he's where he got three kids and he's afraid he's going to be in combat with the Russians. And, uh, bunch of people I've met from Argentina, a lot of German people from all over the world. They come to see the Vietnam Veterans Memorial because it's a piece of unique architecture. It's a really cool thing to see. It's like going to Paris and not going to see the oh, Tower. Right. You, you got to see it, man. <laughs> well, and the, the, the focal point is, as it should be, on those that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And it doesn't make a, an anti-war or a pro-war statement. It, in stark reflection, it points to, here are the guys that really paid the price. And uh, even when I go now, I find myself getting very emotional just walking down uh, into the apex of where those two walls come together. It, it's an amazing achievement. Yeah. Well, then some things you never forget, but seeing a, you know, 18, 19 year old kid die and putting him in a body bag. It's, uh, yeah. uh, it was pretty, pretty rough. It was pretty rough. How did you recover psychologically from that? You seem so. Well, I'm not so sure. Capable. You know, I don't think, you know, there, there's two or three thoughts I've had. Uh, I never had the PTSD, but what I had was survivor's guilt. Uh, I went out on three operations where yeah. 
we started with about 150 guys in the company. And by the time we walked back in, we were down to 40 or 50. <laughs> now they didn't all get killed, but you know, heat prostration, you could break a leg. You could, you mm -hmm. know, you could get wounded. Snakes. A lot, a lot, a lot of death and, uh, and, and maiming. And, uh, it took a long, long time. I mean, I came home and I'd find myself standing on the corner saying, why am I here with 10 fingers and 10 toes? I mean, it, it was, uh, Time heals all, I think, more than anything else. And uh, I've never lost my appreciation for the sacrifice that's made. And when I watch, uh, let's say, a football game and one of the teams says, we're going to war, in the back of my head is, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, the sacrifice is just too, uh, too ultimate and, and too horrible to describe. So now, the converse to that is that, you know, I had a long career. Uh, I ended up with a Tribune company in Chicago, a Fortune 200 company. I was a corporate officer for 30 plus years. I think in decision making, when times got really tough, uh, you know, you've got that Vietnam background. You've been shot at. Uh, you don't flinch like all the, pardon my French, but all the guys that went to Harvard and Yale, there were nothing but uh, <laughs> plus A students. All they knew how to do was open a book and, and be the smartest guy in the room. Well, sometimes you go to a picnic and it rains and you got to work your way through it. And I, I happen to think those 13 months of uh, uh, living in harm's way, and here I am closing on 79 years old, I think, uh, I think they helped me develop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were uh, very lucky because you, you never got hit. I'm sure you got close to being hit more than once yeah no i never uh the way we were we were a little more rigorous than uh, than other services i mean i i don't i don't want to get into that but our thing was a corpsman or a doctor better tag you and you better be on a helicopter and out of there if you got if you got something that's a little more than a mosquito bite you just yeah about it oh yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. Not that I'm casting aspersions, but uh, I'm <laughs> casting aspersions. <laughs> we had a few shirkers in the army. <laughs> they didn't want to be there. They got drafted. So what are you well, human doing nature, anyway? You know, human nature is human nature. But uh, but you're absolutely right. I, uh, you know, they gave me a little medal one time for knocking out a a, a, a mortar position that was that. The NVA had our, uh, you mm -hmm. mentioned the NVA. I never saw Viet Cong. Everybody we went up against uh, wore yeah. uniforms. Would uh, you hit it with a 105 round or what? Well, yeah, yeah, no, I brought in it. It was 155s and we took it out. Oh. It was an enormous uh, secondary explosion and the, the whole battalion was pinned down. And you heard this enormous cheer. Well, I was set up one of those Vietnamese burial grounds were above ground. Oh, and yeah. My great big antenna up on top. So I was the focal point of, of the uh, of the mortaring. And what I didn't know is uh, one member of my FO team was killed and another guy was uh, was wounded while, you know, I mean, I'm up on top of the thing calling in the counter battery stuff. And I didn't even know until they'd evacuated him out of there. So, you know, when you hear about people you know, decorations are wonderful things, but let's not forget people die. And uh, uh, that that's much more solemn. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for your service and you're living down there in Florida. You're happy down there, I take it. You know, of course. And uh, 
It's funny, I went to a little ice cream parlor last week and I had on a 7th Marines uh, Vietnam combat veterans and the lady said, thank you for your service. And I said to her, uh, you know, nobody ever said that for 40 years. And she said, well, you're making me want to cry. And I said, no, it's just, I, I, I want a couple of things though, ma'am. Don't feel sorry for me. It was a privilege. And, uh, and I'm very proud of uh, having the opportunity to be here right now. So I know what you meant and I appreciate that. You have to understand, I come from a different era. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. We'll keep up the good work, and we look forward to seeing you uh, in Washington, D.C. We're having a big event. The Pentagon put in this whole thing together for uh, March, or I'm sorry, May of uh, of this year. It's well, I'll try to be. You know, Jan, uh, is, I'm, I'm playing in the fourth quarter here. And it's the people that you meet along the way, and it's the events that you go through that that makes make life meaningful. And uh, I find it had been a great privilege to have the opportunity to help make the wall a reality. And you, you and all the all our cohorts did a wonderful, wonderful job. <laughs> yeah, it's for me. It's has been a a great experience and a, a very torturing kind of experience. Uh, well, you know, we had a but we had quite a collect. We had a. We had a bunch of amateurs, but they had an enormous amount of talent when you pull yeah. them together. Yeah, the can-do spirit. I like that. Yeah, we got it done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, God bless America. We'll see you soon. Number five. Amen.